one of the genres I really want to explore in prose is horror. I would love to write like a scary, fine chilling, emotional novel. <laughs> Welcome to You Should Write a Book About That. I'm Kim O'Hara, a book coach with a story inside, and I'm interviewing fascinating people from all walks of life with a story to tell. Do these folks have a best-selling book in them? Stick around and find out. Lauren Shippen is a writer best known for her work in fiction podcasts, including The Bright Sessions and Passenger List, a mystery thriller for which she received a BBC Audio Drama Award, Webby, and British Podcast Award. She also writes teleplays and has a three-book deal with Teen Tour, further developing the intellectual property of Bright Sessions. I'm looking forward to discussing with her the evolution of the podcast space as well as juggling creativity in different formats. Lauren, thank you for making time in your busy creative schedule to talk with me today. Thank you so much for having me. So good to talk to you. So Bright Sessions is this very funny and unique podcast about a therapist dealing with patients with supernatural qualities. Why did you choose podcasts as a format for this show? Yeah, it came from a couple of different sort of avenues um, and really was, was birthed out of the, the fact that I wanted to make something on my own and didn't really know anything about, about film, even though I sort of, I was acting in um, TV and film at the time, you know, auditioning kind of new to LA and was in a couple of friends web series and, and getting the lay of the land and sort of seeing all the different creative things that people were doing in LA and was really feeling like I, I wanted to expand my own creativity and a lot of the roles that I was going up to, up for were, you know, the love interest of the, the, you know, main male lead or the girl next door and just not, not the most thrilling stuff in the world. You know, I think there's still a long way to go in, in uh, a lot of female characters and in, in traditional media. Um, so I, I wanted to tell my own kind of story and I was listening to Welcome to Night Vale at the time, which is one of the, the biggest fiction podcasts. And it's one person, mostly with a microphone, telling a story, and it's so compelling. And I just thought, well, you know, maybe there's a way that I can, I can sort of find my own formula for this. Um, and I don't think it's going to be one person and a microphone and amazing music because I'm not a composer. And, and this, you know, this show has sort of a unique magic and a bo- bottle quality to it that I'm not going to be able to emulate. So, what's the story that I'm interested in exploring, and how would I want to explore it? And I had this idea for a girl who time travels and she has panic attacks and thought about who she might be talking to in her life and thought, oh, well, maybe she's talking to a therapist. And then it kind of spun out from there of, well, wait, if she's a time traveler and she's talking to a therapist, and does a therapist have other patients like her? And the, the story really grew from there. Um, but it, it, the fact that it was a podcast and the, and the fact that it was sort of two people talking in a, in a room in a therapy session was very much just out of necessity. I didn't have fancy equipment. I didn't really know how to do any kind of film editing or, or anything like that. So I thought, okay, I have, I have a microphone that I can use. I can get to people in a room to read a script that, that can't be insurmountable. And then I just sort of taught myself editing through YouTube tutorials. <laughs> That's wonderful. And the Night Vale people were really supportive. You felt there was this kumbaya environment of collaboration because fiction podcasting, when you got into it, 
was there because of shows like Night Vale, but you were really kind of stepping in when it was in a little bit more of its infancy, right? Absolutely. Yeah. We launched our first episode in November of 2015, which I mean, feels like seven lifetimes ago at this point. Right. Um, <laughs> and, but really, you know, only, only five years ago. And it was really strange because, you know, I, 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 I was the only editor, producer, sound designer, everything other than the other actors on the show for quite some time um, in the beginning. Um, so, you know, I, I had some, some friends who voiced the other roles. I voiced the time traveler and we got the other recorded and then I did all of the rest. And it was really strange to sort of release it in the world and, you know, nothing happens, right? Because it's not, it's not like doing a play where people come and see it on a specific night. It just sort of is released into the ether and you don't know what, where it's You're going. You're like, and, whatever, it, it, let's just hope and keep going. Forge yeah. forward. <laughs> And so I spent the fall and then, the, you know, the, the winter just trying to meet other people who listened to audio dramas and who were making audio dramas. At that time, Black Tapes was just coming out, which is another big podcast in Limestown, had been out for maybe like a month or so. So there was, you know, there started to be an influx of, of, of listeners, sort of niche listeners into this, into this medium. And so I sort of found those people, talked with them, and then, you know, as, as we were talking you know, online about these other shows we listen to, I'd be like, oh, I also have a show. If you want to give it a listen, you know, here's the link. Um, and just did that for, you know, months on various social media platforms. And then eventually, you know, we started to pick up steam. We we started going into a second season and 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 figuring out how to make it somewhat sustainable. And by I think March or April of of um 2016, you know, I saw my first fan art online and, and Jeffrey Craner of Walking Tonight Vale tweeted about how he was enjoying the show. And I, you know, I had never presumed to send him anything or try to get the creators of Night Vale to listen to it. Right. I was just sort of like, Oh, maybe someday down the line, I'll like, we'll be in the same, at the same conference or something. And I can tell them, you know, how much I appreciate their work. Right. But both Jeffrey and Joseph have been so active in, in listening to smaller shows and to, you know, staying on top of what's happening in this medium that they sort of, pioneered in the, in, in the modern era in a lot of ways. And so then, you know, at, at that point, more and more audio drums were coming out and I started to meet more people. And, and by the end, you know, by the summer of 2016, there was this wonderful international community of friends that I still have and have, you know, collaborated with of people who were all scrappily making our art and supporting each other. And it was, it was really, it was so unique um, and, and a, a really lovely little club. <laughs> But I love how the need came from a very core desire, which was there just weren't any sides going out for women playing a role of a time traveler with panic attacks. Yeah, just exactly. Weren't. <laughs> and, and, you know, I don't need to delve into your personal life, but I know many of us have panic attacks. Um, I am one of them that has come you know, and I, I didn't, I mean, just to have that put into another construct and to be able to sort of laugh about it and, you know, mm -hmm. commiserate with other characters about it and know that other listeners have it. It's, it's wonderful. It's like podcasts feel so accessible versus, you know, let's talk about screenwriting for a minute. I know that you have had, you know, have interest in doing that. It's a very cutthroat mm -hmm. world, Hollywood, you know, um, what yeah. has been your experience yeah. so far? I mean, I know you circumvented that completely and wrote a Marvel <laughs> show, which I love, but yeah. <laughs> what have you seen when you've dipped a toe? 
Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the Bright Sessions has, I can't say all that much about it, but it's, it's, it's you know, it's been in various development conversations and at various stages of the development process over the past few years for television. Um, and it's still something that I'm, I'm really excited about, you know, the, the sort of current stage that it's at is one that I think is really promising. And, you know, of course, there's like COVID is, of course, you know, making everything in the, in the, in the TV industry completely upside down. So I, I'm not, I'm not, you know, counting my, my chickens, but um, it, that's been really informative. You know, I've gotten to work with some, some veteran TV writers to, you know, talk about how the show would be adapted and different approaches and, um, you know, understanding that it's such a different medium and, and there would need to be big changes and, and, and being really excited by that prospect. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. In some ways, I've I've experienced, I think, the, the sort of a lot of the, like the classic things of Hollywood of like, oh, you you know, you're about to get your big break and then it doesn't happen or, or you know, you have an interview for a job and it's, it's very exciting and then nothing comes of it. Those sort of, you know, like constant sort of rejections and disappointments. Yeah, uh, which, you know, I, I feel like I was prepared for coming from acting, right? Because it's all your job is, is just like be going rejected. for jobs and being rejected. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then like every now and then you get the job and it's like the biggest high. Um, but I also, you know, I also think I, I have experienced something really unique, which is getting to talk to, you know, writers and producers that I I don't think I would have access to, you know, as somebody who had never written, who's never written a TV script. Um, but, you know, because they're maybe interested in talking about adapting an IP of mine, like I'm able to talk to them and learn from them. And that learning experience has been so invaluable. Um, and yeah. And, and I think, you know, the fact that traditional Hollywood is now getting into podcasts, you know, just getting into just getting my foot in the door and into rooms with executives that like, would never be talking to, to me about TV stuff, right? Like, I'm, I'm a nobody in TV. I've never written anything. But when it comes to podcasts, like... You're successful. Podcasts sort of scattered across the... Yeah, and scattered across the globe. They're like, I am in LA. I am here. I can come by your office. I mean, not now. But right, like, right. But you will. The, <laughs> yeah, the minute it yeah. opens up, you you have you have the drive. And the one, the one point I want to make for listeners is lots of artists forget to do the business aspect of creation. They think I'll do that later, you yeah. know, or I'm never going to get that big. And I love how you stress the importance of, you know, being on top of the legal of your intellectual property. Cause you wouldn't be safely going yeah. into these meetings. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you have to, you know, you have to prove chain of title. You have to prove ownership over an idea and, you know, make sure that, that, that you have full rights to it in different mediums. I mean, it's, it's, I was really, you know, fortunate to have a lawyer that I could talk to about this kind of stuff who, you know, well, um, I don't know if a, it's fortunate. A, a, I mean, I think that you're doing what you're supposed to do, right? Like you're, you're, you're yeah, smart, yeah. you're smart at business. And because of that, you are, you have a three book deal and that's part of the IP and you're able to write novels mm -hmm. and you're able to pitch TV shows. I mean, how exciting is that? Did you ever expect that it would grow to a three book deal? No, never in a million years. I mean, I, you know, I, I think whenever you start something, you have, you have wild hopes, right? Like I think that even in, in the early days of writing the bright sessions before I even had reached out to the actors, I was like, Oh, like, you know, what if, 
what if this took off in the way that, you know, Welcome Night Bill did? And then if, what, you know, what if it was, it was picked up for TV or, or, you know, got to exist in other mediums? And I think the way that I was, I was thinking about that was if I, you know, work really, really hard for the next five years making a really, really good show that then exists out in the world, probably in my, you know, mid to late thirties, maybe someone will be digging through the annals of like podcasts and find this and be like, let's dust off this IP and make this. That's (laughs) something I think increasingly that, that Hollywood is doing. And I, you know, I've complicated things about that because I benefit from IP exploitation, but it's also, you know, complicated because we want new, completely fresh ideas. Um, but I've never expected it to sort of happen at the, at the speed that it happened at. Um, if, if I thought it was going to happen at all, which was just a wild hope, I sort of expected it to take 15, 20 years. Um, so it's been, it's been a, uh, sort of a white knuckle ride for the past five years. And you, and I, and I hear you, it never, it's always faster than we think when there's something that hits, but you were preparing, Mm -hmm. you know, when we talked, you know, earlier, you had mentioned to me that I was very impressed by that while you were doing bright sessions, there was this material that would end up on the cutting room floor and you fastidiously knew to put that into a timeline and save it for someday. Yeah. 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 And, and it's, I, I think that that is, it's interesting when, when we were talking about that, you know, I think thinking about, about registering copyright and thinking about getting folks to sign contracts and making sure that I was, you know, documenting everything to make sure legally I was, I was, sound I think all of that stuff was very much like this is the smart business decision even if nothing comes of it there's no harm in doing these things I you know I'd love to cover our bases whereas I think keeping all of these notes and these timelines was very much not a business decision and truly just like a creative one of just that's the way my brain works and, and everything that sort of exists behind the scenes still informs the characters that I write and it's but it has been like useful you know for the for the books it's been incredibly useful to sort of have timeline to work off of and get to pull you know other other characters or backstory bits and throw them into the book and then even in you know conversations about other adaptations you know someone coming up with a pitch about like oh well maybe this character could do this or that and then I oftentimes will have a piece of sort of bright sessions ephemera where I'm like oh actually yeah this is canon even though we've never talked about it before um, but you know, here it is. So having that sort of that huge Bible of, of information has been amazing because it's, you know, sometimes it, it, you need a quick answer to something and it's right there. And then, but it's also not something that I have to save a hold to because half the stuff in there is only known by me that if I want to change it, there's no consequence. <laughs> right. Right. Well, when we talked about that, I had that moment as a writer where I like had to sit for like 10 seconds and just sort of regret all the pieces <laughs> of paper I've thrown away. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I have this rule. I'm like, if I haven't done something with it in 10 years, I probably never will. But you know, oh, yeah, it, yeah. you know, it's not, you know, and, but what you're, I learned from you. I was like, wow, like I'm actually going to get a little bit more serious about this timeline stuff. So you, you, I love, you know, how humble you are. I think it's amazing. And you were uh, nominated and landed in the Forbes 30 under 30 in media. And I love that story about how you didn't even really, (laughs) you woke up one morning and there it was. Tell me sort of how that came about. (laughs) Yeah, it was really, I, I, knew nothing really about the, the process or, or that much detail about the list. Obviously I, you know, I'd heard of it before. 
um, when they were opening for nominations, a couple of friends in the, in the community and, and my sister, um, nominated me and, and, um, for the, for the media category. And, you know, I was, I was super flattered and a couple more people hopped on the bandwagon. And then, you know, a couple of weeks or months, I don't even remember went by and I got an email to fill out the, the same form basically just with my answers of like why I think I, I should qualify for this list. And so I, I, you know, filled that out. And then, and I had some like extra questions that I like didn't really think about of like, who's your dream mentor, which is something that like somebody who's nominating you isn't going to know necessarily, but that, you know, right. I, I have to answer for. Um, and a couple more weeks went by and, and I got like a follow-up email from one of the people at Forbes being like, Hey, just wanted to like clarify this one bit. And also like, do you have a, a headshot? And for whatever reason, the, the framing of the, the email read to me is like, oh, okay, they're putting together like a packet for like whatever the final interview round is. Like, this is cool. Like, I think I might be in like the final round interviews. And then I didn't hear anything. And I was like, oh, okay, well, you know, went and loot them. And then the list came out and I woke up to an email being like, congrats, the list is out today and you're on it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, okay. So like it was at every step of the way, I sort of like was filling out these forms and answering these questions like, there was going to be some interview where my real questions were going to be answered. <laughs> and so I didn't like, I didn't necessarily even like think that, that I sort of just went on instinct and, you know, answered the questions as if right. I was, I was, you know, filling out a pre-interview form and that was the real thing. And it was just, it was so, it was so funny because just when they send you that form, there's nothing saying like, congrats, you've been selected, please fill this out. Um, so <laughs> I like, was, I was delightfully surprised. <laughs> that's wonderful. I, I love everything you have going on. You have many irons in the fire. You know, we talk about, you know, writing books um, on this podcast. And so mm -hmm. what if you were going to write a whole new book, like whole new mm. idea, not connected to anything else? What would you write a book about? I don't know that I have like a, a specific idea or, or story that I, I, I would want to tell just yet. But the, one of the genres I really want to explore in prose is horror. I would love to write like a scary, spine chilling, emotional novel. <laughs> um, you know, something like The Haunting of Hell House, something like The Shining, you know. Uh, something the Conjuring. Is, yeah, exactly. Like something that's not like... I, I I actually don't necessarily have like the biggest stomach for like film horror. Like I don't like anything that's like too gory or anything that's just like a monster killing a bunch of people. But I love that like really spooky, creepy, like, you know, it, it, you never really see the monster, but it's always lingering there kind of stories. Um, so I would love to write a book that, that fits somewhere in the horror genre, because I think that it's something I have no idea how to write. And those are usually the things that like you want to sort of barrel headfirst into. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Any advice for up and coming fiction podcasters? Yeah, I, I would say don't be afraid of telling a story that you feel might have already been told. You know, there's a lot of fiction podcasts out there now and, and there are so many stories and so many mediums that it's really easy to look at something and say oh well there's already been a story told about people with supernatural abilities I mean if I you know if I said that of course there's a, a million stories about people with supernatural abilities you know feeling like misfits right but I, I think something that is important to remember is that that story may have been told but it hasn't been told by you and if you have a unique thing to say through it if you have something from your heart puts a, a new spin or a new angle on an idea you feel has already been trod over, then do it, you know, and, and don't let 
don't let the fact that other stories exist intimidate you into not telling your story. Thank you so much. That's great advice. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to You Should Write a Book About That. If you enjoyed our episode, tell a friend to listen, subscribe, and review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And a big shout out to our listeners on CastBox, where you can leave a comment and I will personally respond. Thank you.